1: So we're back with a more normal show than last week. If you listened last week, that was our 1 year anniversary podcast and we talked about the origins of the show. We kind of uh, laid together the full timeline. Many of you have responded that you really appreciated that cuz we've given bits and pieces through the years. But it was also fun for us. It was like a weird walk down memory lane to think about. <laughs> You're right. How did we meet and how did the show start and it was it was crazy. It was kind of an interesting Definitely uh, not normal,
0: yeah. as you said. It
1: was fun. No. But
0: definitely not normal. <laughs>
1: Yeah, very true. So tonight we're actually gonna try to get back to the reason the show is called The Car Debate, and that is you guys writing in with your requests. If you have your own car debate, I'm gonna go ahead and say this now, everydaydrivertv at gmail is where to reach us. We're getting piles of email, which is great, But just know that you're sending stuff in now, and there's a lot of it coming in, and we're doing the best we can. We are reading it all. We probably won't get to it all, but please keep sending it in. Tonight, we have two very different ones. We've got Jonathan writing to us in Montreal. His family is looking for kind of their third and fun car, but uh, his family is he and his wife and their little son. And so they've got some very specific things there. Plus, we've got Heather in Miami. And she's, she's actually a serious car girl, which is awesome yeah, in is spite cool. of dealing with Miami traffic. So she's trying to figure out what is her next car. She's owned a good wide range of things. And she's a lawyer who's just chasing what's my next fun car. So we'll talk about Heather as well. So both those car debates are coming up this evening.
0: Yeah, that's going to be fun. First, though, I'd like to dive in and say that we're not generally uh, a news outlet but we like to talk about timely things, especially this mm-hmm. one. And that is an article that came out about hacking Jeeps. And mm-hmm. it kind of caught my
1: eye, and then I dove in a who little I, more. Who do I own? That, who <laughs> do I know that owns a Jeep? There's somebody uh, I know. Give me a minute. It's going to come to me. <laughs> somebody I know has a Jeep, a new Jeep. I don't remember. The words remember. caught Keep my going. eye.
0: They, they caught my eye, and then I dove in. And all you have probably seen this article, if you haven't, This is an article in Wired magazine. It's online by a writer named Andy Greenberg. And it's about hackers remotely killing a Jeep on the highway with him in it while it's driving.
1: And And many other things. I mean, they kind kind of of like poltergeist this Jeep. They kind of poltergeist
0: the Jeep. (laughs) That's a great way of putting it because, yeah, they did. They, They dove in deep into the electronics of this thing. They changed the radio. They Screwed with the transmission, the steering, the brakes, all the dashboard functions, everything by these two hackers. Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. yeah, this has gotten my attention. In addition to everything else that's going on, Fiat Chrysler being in the middle of a $105 million fine from the NHTSA for recalls like airbags and other fuel tank madness from prior cars, I will say prior to the (laughs) bailout. True, mm, true, true. Okay, but still... There's a FCA is in the news. I'm going. All right. I've got a Jeep. <laughs> I do have the 8.4 inch UConnect infotainment system in my car. Yes, and you do. It works great. As a matter of fact, of of all the new cars that I've driven lately, I like this the best. It's very easy and intuitive to use, but it it's very system, hacker yeah. friendly, which is rather yeah, concerning. Apparently. And so I wanted to touch on this because I thought, all right, I read the article. And, yes, it was staged. It was planned. Obviously, Mm -hmm, he wasn't mm -hmm. driving along and, you know, two hackers thought, "Eh, I'm going to dive into this car. So, yes, it was staged and planned. The fact that it can happen, uh, yeah. Am I Mm -hmm, super concerned mm -hmm. right now? Well, no. There's a lot of Jeeps in the mountains, a lot of Jeeps here in Utah. And I don't get the idea that hackers are going to start – You know, Hey, the door's wide open. We had no idea. Let's go after every
1: Jeep we see. There's that weird thing that happens in hackerdom where you either become a criminal or somebody turns your forces for good. You get hired by a security company. (laughs) Somebody hires you for the sheer purpose of break into our stuff. And that's what's happened here. I mean, this is essentially an ongoing research project that's gone very well, or depending upon which side of the Chrysler equation you're on, very badly. But ultimately... They're not releasing anything to the public that they have not already released to the manufacturer, so the manufacturer can hopefully be a step ahead in providing a patch. But ultimately, you're right. What we're creating is a world where where your system's Wi-Fi-based. I mean, that's essentially the back door they're dealing with. You have a rolling Wi-Fi hotspot, which means if you can get an IP address, you can theoretically, in the most mundane situation, track the vehicle and in the most concerning variation, hack the vehicle.
0: Yeah, I I'm looking at this and I've just read a new article here about owners having three options to get this new patch, this latest software patching the hole, essentially, and that is to download it now, do it yourself, mm-hmm. wait for a USB mm-hmm. stick from FCA, and that means they're gonna be spending gobs of money in addition to this fine to yep. send oh, out yeah, USB yeah, yeah, yeah. sticks with the patch, or I could take it to the dealer. And yes, I mm-hmm. got I need to get it fixed here very soon. Am I freaking out and not driving the car? No. I'm going to keep driving my car, it's operating just fine, and I'm not fearing hackers. But, on a side note, there's gonna be a movie made about autonomous vehicles and the way the evil villain you're right. does his thing you're right. is he hacks all the cars and makes them crash into each other, or they all go off a cliff like lemmings or something, and that's going to be the premise. I mean, you're a screenwriter and a filmmaker. It's, it's Surely funny. this it's is funny coming. you
1: It's funny you, the non-filmmaker, thought of that because it's exactly <laughs> right? what I thought. What I thought is, in a world of autonomous cars, if you want to rob a bank, you tell every autonomous vehicle in the area to turn around and go away from the bank including cops. So now everything is making a beeline away from your central point. Right. Here's, here's a free screenplay uh, <laughs> line to somebody out there. Yeah, exactly. Everybody is driving perfectly away from where you want to commit your crime, and so there's no way for traffic to go the other direction, and you've essentially created your own roadblock. I mean, that's, that's where we're headed in the world of screenwriting, but you also bring up an interesting point. You were talking about all the stuff they were changing, and it, it made me think about this reality. Electric steering racks right electric steering racks now for the first time your steering is connected to an algorithm right hydraulic steering racks don't have an algorithm
0: no they're mechanical in, in the
1: most in the in the most mundane situation Your electric steering rack, and I mean, come on, I've got one on the FRS. what it does is it controls the feel. It changes the feel while giving you power steering. And a lot of cars, you know, pick your car here, you can do your Eco or Sport or whatever, and most of the time what it's changing is your steering feel. The algorithm is changing and changing the amount of force. Well, it stands to reason, if you can change the amount of force with the algorithm, you can change what it's doing with the algorithm. I don't know that for sure. I'm not a computer mm. hacker, but it, but once you've connected the feel and the force of steering to ones and zeros, can't you start telling those ones and zeros to what they actually should do?
0: Uh, Infinity is taking notes. Actually, they already have. As a matter of fact, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, they, yeah, they already are steering, doing this. They're doing yeah, this. They're already steering by thin. wire. That's a fair point. With Q50. I mm-hmm. I read somewhere I think a while back and listeners correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought I read something where they came up with the the drive by wire steering essentially and customers aren't really thrilled about it, so they're going back a different mm-hmm. direction. Is that right? Did I read mm-hmm. something somewhere about that? I think
1: yeah, I think they're I'm gonna get it wrong too, but I think they're they're creating other options than just, Hey, thanks for buying an Infinity, here's your steer by wire system. I think they're creating variations <laughs> and options. But uh yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. this is.
0: I mean, you know, just imagine the getaway car, and from a top view, all the other cars could be. You know, this could be parting all the other cars, and it would know the traffic like and the, yeah. shut Parts off Parts it roads, like the Red Sea. You're right. It would part it like yep. the Red Sea, and and all the other cars, and you could control the cops, and you know this movie is coming, and it'll be cool oh, yeah, if it's yeah. done well. It'll be
1: really yeah. cool. You 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 hear me? I'm typing. I'm typing as we speak. <laughs> anyway,
0: slide yeah. your screenplay into Seriously. the door of an executive here soon, but. Yeah, I Seriously. mean, okay, so so back to the topic is, yes, I need to get this fixed on my car. Will will this happen in the future? Certainly. If it can be hacked, as we've seen, it doesn't matter what it is. If it's banks, doesn't matter. restaurants, yep. home improvement stores, you name it, if it can be hacked, they're going after it. And cars are the new frontier because of the way cars are going. This whole autonomous thing, you know, Apple is the unhackable thing. Well, they still, you know, that's not completely true and no. you yeah, know exactly. hackers are gonna go after this stuff
1: so if I, there are ones and zeros uh, okay. flowing through its blood in any way ones and zeros flowing through the blood of anything it can be hacked to manipulate it, and it will be and I've told this story before you and I've talked about it in like film circles and and I'm gonna get some of the details wrong but I'm gonna go back to my favorite story in the unhackable domain and nothing to do with cars But it's the original DVD encryption. I'm going back 15 or so years now. But the original encryption for DVD, it actually was probably the late 90s, was supposed to be unhackable. Mm. So you couldn't make a copy of your, you could go buy, not not Blu-ray now, folks, DVD. You could go buy a a, a DVD of your movie and you couldn't make a copy of it because the encryption was too good and it was supposed to be unhackable. I I think I've told you this before. Mm -hmm. Eventually, Mm -hmm. it was broken. And the code for how to break it was published online in, like, the early years of the Internet. It was just, here's your free code to hack your DVDs. So, of course, of course, the MPAA and everybody else goes crazy and tracks down the source of this code. And what they found was, this was in the news, what they found was an 11-year-old boy in Norway. The reason was, he was the person that hacked it. And his reasoning, he actually went to trial... And it was dismissed. By the time it was dismissed, he was probably like 14 or 15. But it went to trial and was eventually dismissed because here's what they found. 11-year-old boy whose parents had a rule. You cannot take the DVDs from the downstairs TV room. But he had a computer in his room. (laughs) And he wanted to watch. This is true. He he wanted to watch movies on his computer in his room. 11-year-old kid. But he couldn't make copies of the DVDs because they didn't work that way and he couldn't have them leave his, the downstairs TV room. So he went on a personal quest to hack the code and he succeeded. And his, th- his thought process, as an 11-year-old boy, and I have a five-year-old, so I, th- I think also about, you know, who is this person? But his thought process <laughs> as an 11-year-old boy was, there this is literally what happened. There must be other kids out there with this same problem. Yeah. And so he put the code online just thinking, this will help other people. And, of course, the film studios go nuts because they think somebody's maliciously hacked. But the point is wow. it's about time and effort and skill. Everything is hackable. So you have two choices. You can either disconnect from all technology and crawl into a rock or deal with the fact that hopefully this stuff will be at least on the right side of the law most of the time, which is the equation you're in. You're not expecting that your Jeep is going to drive you into a ditch anytime soon. So you're going to go on and hope that that reality won't strike.
0: I guess until I upgrade the software, I'll just avoid high mountain passes so nobody can you know, drive me off the cliff. I doubt that will happen, well, you, but yeah. You'll, you'll avoid you know guys
1: on street corners with laptops. That's what you'll avoid.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine. I'll happily give to homeless people and beggars, but those crazy-looking guys hooded with laptops over there – Avoid those guys, because they're the going to get you. guys in a you. hoodie
1: with a laptop and a cell phone? I'm in trouble now. I mean, I
0: imagine this are. whole, you know, as more and more people talk about this Internet of Things, or Internet of Connected Things. I mean, in the tech industry and software industry, that's all I hear about now. But yeah, I imagine yeah, yeah. a new television show, a new series, kind of like harkening back to the Robot Wars, where your Internet-connected fridge does battle with your Jeep Grand Cherokee, and then my 17-bladed <laughs> Internet-connected Razor jumps in and destroys everybody, and... It could be a You're really cool yeah. reality show, but mm-hmm. that's in the future. I guess we live in the future already, so it can't be far off.
1: It's frightening. Anyway. Frightening. Now we just need <laughs> flying cars. Speaking of cars, not necessarily flying ones, let's go into this first car debate before we get ourselves way down a rabbit hole. <laughs> we us uh, talk about Jonathan. <laughs> You're right. It, this is frightening. Seriously, yes, we, we could just spend is. the rest of the podcast doing a screenplay. We could just build the screenplay right here. Wouldn't that be cool? Uh, I'm it, almost
0: seeing the movie in my head, and I'm not the film guy. This could be buddy, so cool. I,
1: here's... Here's the frightening thing. My My head's already so far down down the trail, I may not recover. <laughs> uh, you may. Not, I may not be on the podcast anymore. I may be busy writing, said so screenplay. <laughs> Moving on, uh, I'm going to try desperately to wrench my brain forward uh, to Jonathan, writing to us here. in Montreal. Seriously, <laughs> writing to us in Montreal. And uh, he and his wife have owned a... He actually was a guy that was seriously into civics. He had four civics in a row, yeah, this a couple is, of which he tracked. Nuts and uh, but now he and his wife have got more normal cars he's got a scion xb he has a base corolla for his wife uh so you know um actually sorry he got rid of his scion xb which he got originally when his son was around and then now he has a base corolla and they also have a toyota echo so they're toyota folks or honda folks so they're japanese big brand folks But he says the older he gets, the more he wants something fun, and the more he doesn't care what the brand is. Mm -hmm, So they have those two cars, and they work, and they commute, and they're fine. They do all the we have a little boy in our life. They do all that stuff. Great. But they're having a discussion where he and his wife want a fun car, and they want a convertible. And so the discussion that they're having as a family is, okay, we want a convertible that we can take our son with us. So we're talking four-seat convertible now. And we want it to be, it's, it's a weekend summer car only. This is just a fun car. It's a, hey, it's a great day. Let's go for a drive as a family. They have $15,000 Canadian to work with. And if they stretch it, maybe 20 or so. So they could stretch for the right car. And his question was, we have found two. The mid-2000s Mustang GT convertible and the, you know, same range Mitsubishi Eclipse GT convertible. What do you guys think? And then he says, as a side hmm. note, right before he signs off, he's like, by the way, where's the four-seater <laughs> S2000? Which is a fantastic question, and I'm sorry to say it does not exist. Although, so here we are. Well,
0: aren't uh, Lotus Evora's technically a four-seater? They're not convertible, obviously,
1: but, you know. Well, they're not convertible, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Jonathan, I have to tease you just a tiny bit, because in, in describing here, you were telling us that you have you had four Civics, tracked a couple of them, and then you needed a cheap, reliable commuter, so you went and got a Yaris, And I thought, well, didn't you just already own the cheap, reliable commuter in the
1: Civic? Yeah, you already had a Civic. You're right. right. Am I
0: wrong? And Yaris is kind of a... Yeah. All right. Well, whatever. Um,
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So, um, Civics. And uh, like Todd said, yeah, family and life has intervened. And I love that your wife wants it to be a convertible and a four-seater. There are a few, I will say, um, non-American cars that fit this bill, but none that I can think of right now are going to be good for the purposes
1: you need, the track part of the mm-hmm. equation. You
0: know, I think of, well, uh, I know, you know, I don't know Volvo. that they're going to track
1: it, but they're certainly they're certainly going to want to drive the, drive it hard and fun. Right. I, I don't get a sense of track from this email, but this is a back road or, uh, just a fun, you know, fun road car. Fun car. It's a okay, fun yeah, road yeah, yeah, car. Yeah. This is not a car that, that I don't know that you're going to be autocrossing, but at the same time, it's got to be something you can push on a back road and not feel like you're going to kill everybody. You're going to have fun with it, which I think is great.
0: It's interesting because, uh, yeah, not that many car manufacturers make a four-seat convertible. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought of uh, (laughs) – I hate to say it, but that stupid Chrysler Sebring popped into my head and I went, ah! (laughs) And then I thought of the Volvo hardtop convertible. Um, uh, What was that? Um, The C70. C70 convertible, yeah. That was kind of cool, Mm -hmm. not really a fun car, kind of a heavy-ish hardtop. And then I think, all right, BMW will make stuff like that. But then I think, well, 15 to 20 grand tops. We're talking American cars. It's got to be a Mustang, a Camaro, something like that, that you can still have fun fun in. And um, Jonathan writes in and also suggests that uh, 2006 to 2011 Mitsubishi Eclipse GT, I've never driven it. Front wheel drive. Not a huge fan of the styling, not a huge fan of the car, and besides the Evo, not a real huge fan of Mitsubishi's, and I know I'm going to get well, blasted for all the Eclipse owners that are writing in right now and say it's an amazing car, but well, but I, but just here's, not convinced. But here's,
1: no, no, no. I, 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 here's the thing, though. The Eclipse was a great car. Early until on. You're the talking last in the 90s, you mean? When when, uh, well, yeah, until the last generation when it became and also-ran. I mean, yeah, they yeah, were yeah. doing those... Turbocharged, all-wheel drive, crazy, nutty Eclipses. That was a really cool... In fact, that's a car we should fast-blast because that's a really cool car that should get some coverage. But this last-generation Eclipse follows the same rabbit trail... I'm I'm on on rabbit trails tonight. Follows the same thing as everything else in the Mitsubishi lineup, which is leaving any kind of fun at the door and just headed toward blandness and leaving the Evo by itself. So that late... I can't I can't support the, the Eclipse G T with you here, Jonathan. I don't think it's fun enough. I think of the two you listed, the Mustang GT and the Eclipse, I agree with you. I think the Mustang GT is the better choice of those two. You've gotta look at the Camaro to see if you can get it for the same kind of money. Yeah, Camaro. It's gonna feel bigger. Something. Bigger than the GT, no question. It might feel too big, but it's gonna have great attitude about it. You've gotta look at that car. But I've got a couple others I thought of.
0: Oh, you do? Okay. Besides these, mm-hmm. uh, besides these two American cars?
1: Yeah, but the two we've mentioned. Yeah, yeah. You All got right. anything else?
0: I'm I'm racking my brain right now just as far as cuz I'm trying to keep the price down. You know, I can think of that's easily the tough part. That's the a tough bunch part. of different right. things, but again, mm-hmm. maximum budget is 15,000 Canadian and that's like
1: yeah. 12ish well, American. 20, 20 20k, 20k Canadian. 20k Canadian in, okay. the absolute max to reach. But here's the thing. I mean, we have to bring up the obvious one here that is kind of headed toward the right direction, which is the Audi A4. There's a four seat convertible. Is it an overly a sporty car? Not really, it's still front wheel drive. It's it's probably gonna feel kind of special and kind of cool if you can get into one, but the one you might get into might have a lot of mileage. It might be problematic to maintain. I, I, again, I'm saying might be, you could be fine, mm-hmm. but that's the question mark mm-hmm. there. But it, but it's an obvious one to mention here because it is this recipe. It is a based on a almost-performance car chassis. It is four seats, etc. cetera. So you kind of got to put it with the GTs and the Camaros of the world. But I have two others.
0: Okay. Oh, besides the I Audi. Consider,
1: one that I consider a wild card. And okay. one, look, Jonathan, I don't know that you can do this. But if you could go 25, it'd be my sniper shot. So I'm a tiny bit out of your range, but I've got a sniper shot if you can stretch. Mm. I, I don't know. I don't know. Bring it. I'm very my, curious. My wild card, my wild card is a 90s Nissan 300 ZX 2 plus 2. Now, you're already saying, wait a minute, that's not convertible. You're right, it's not, but it's in your budget. It would be a blast of a family car. I don't know. Jonathan, I'm also hoping that all of you and your family are not six foot seven. If you're, <laughs> you know, normal sized people, 5'8 to 5'10, You're gonna be fine, okay? But the thing is, that car has great T-tops and a usable hatch. You could put your son, your wife, and yourself in a 300ZX uh, 2 Plus 2 with a picnic or whatever your fun activity is for the day is in the hatch. You could go for a drive that would be a fun car to drive. The 2 Plus 2 did not come in a twin turbo, so it's gonna be the the slightly less engine and it's gonna be cheaper to maintain as a result. That would be just a all-out. It's a wild card because it's not straight-up convertible. It's, it's T-Tops. But would it would take the T-Tops off. Trust me, that is a fun car.
0: I like that suggestion. Yeah, the T-Tops are interesting. That, that kind of is a twist, which is cool. Um, I, I, I want to recommend the 3 Series, like a, a couple uh-huh. generations back. I, I want to. But I think from a maintenance standpoint, I mean, sure, you can find those cars for that price. Absolutely. But I just feel like from a maintenance standpoint, I think Jonathan and his family would come back to, you know, really not appreciate the recommendation, if you know what I mean. Well, but I think
1: if you went back to naturally aspirated, potentially, I think if you went back to naturally aspirated E46 generation, so the early 2000s, E46 naturally aspirated You'd be better off. I still don't think you'd be great. You've got you bought a, a used German car, probably with decently high mileage. Be prepared for maintenance costs, but it might work out. That's a that's a good thought. I think the E46 would be an interesting one to at least investigate. Let's
0: see here, I'm looking right now on my favorite sites, and let's <laughs> see if they've got one. Just. Because I'm curious, it'll be in American dollars, of course. But I always find those yeah, man, E46s, I'm not, I'm, and they're good looking, and they're convertible. But
1: I'm not talking, but I'm not talking M3 either. I'm just talking e No, definitely not. definitely not. Definitely yeah. not. But let me give you uh, my sniper shot, Jonathan. If if you could stretch no. beyond 20k, and you've said you probably can't, but if you could stretch beyond 20k to 25 or so, I'll tell you what I think does this perfectly: the G37 Infinity G37 convertible. Ooh, four seats, rear-wheel drive, 300-horsepower engine. It's a good-looking car. It's actually a hard-top convertible. Good one. If you can reach for that, that is my sniper shot and done.
0: Good one. I like that.
1: And and, I, and I, candidly, the only reason it's not a sniper shot is because I, I honestly think it's probably just outside your budget but I don't know your situation yeah. I don't know if there's 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 wiggle room I looked on Canadian sites was finding them for 26 to 30 was finding them so you know that look I'm, I will acknowledge I'm 5k above your budget I don't know what's possible I don't know what your credit's like I don't know what risk you want to take but there is I think the perfect car for your needs just above your budget so I feel like I have to say it but I know I'm out out of range so that's, that's, a, that's a dilemma
0: good one I'm liking that and I'm not finding the three series that I want. Looking for that E forty six. Because no I really want to recommend no that, but I kind of feel like it'd mm-hmm. be in the same price range as the car you're talking about. And No, I think I think uh, it's I
1: think I, the non M threes, the non M threes are bound to have come down to his own. They've got to come I, I down, think, I suppose. I just yeah, I, I like your have.
0: recommendation better because it's Japanese, honestly. And it's probably going to be a little bit easier on the wallet sure. from a maintenance standpoint, and so
1: I think that's true. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. like it
0: better than, than my BMW. I, I keep trying to go there just from an enthusiast standpoint, mm-hmm. but I just uh, I, I can't. And honestly, I can't.
1: Jonathan, don't don't overlook that three hundred ZX. Give that car a worthwhile look, because you could get one with money left over probably, and have a genuine fun car for the family.
0: It's cool. He went all the way back to T-tops cuz nobody does T-tops anymore. It's just not a nobody thing. Nobody does
1: T-tops. And and but but you know, I would say in many ways it is everything you like about the convertible experience. So I I think I think it's worth looking at. I think it's worth looking at.
0: Good one. Good one. I like it. All right. Well, uh jump into the second car debate. This is Heather from Miami and I'm so glad she yep. wrote in because she wrote us a litany of stuff, and this is really interesting. The stories <laughs> in here Very are cool. great, and, and it's there's a lot in here. And I will say, just up front, I'm guessing from what she wrote in is that she's really considering new because of
1: yes a few of the bu- things. Budget and what she's doing. Oh yeah, yeah. Budget yeah, I think and it's
0: maintenance two. and a few things. And here's the thing: I, I loved, I absolutely loved her sentence. Do you have any recommendations that meet my speed and comfort and high mileage lifestyle? If you have a high-mileage lifestyle, here's the car
1: we recommend for you. Exactly.
0: exactly. I thought that was hilarious. I love,
1: I love your used car dealer voice there. Bravo. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I've been
0: working on that. Um, hope to not use it anytime soon. But yeah, Heather. Yeah, nicely done. Yeah. Heather is uh, she's in Miami. She's driving 20,000 miles a year every week for mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. And she's saying here it's probably a 60-40 city highway, so less time on the highway and, yeah. yeah, we feel but your pain of, about the traffic down there. Lots of
1: bumper-to-bumper. I mean, bumper-to-bumper bumper, South Florida. It's her only car at under 45000 But 45000 Heather, is a good budget. Oh, yeah. And this is very healthy. she's owned all kinds yeah. of things. She's owned all kinds of things. I mean, I can't believe the range. I mean, she's had a, a Civic Coupe. Mm-hmm. She's had a GTI. Yep. She's had a Mercedes C300. And her current car is a 2014 Lexus IS250, which is the base engine of of the current IS.
0: Right. And ha- and owning a 2014, that's a fairly new car right now. And so that's what yeah. kind of made me think, all right, if you're owning a 2014 and you're wanting to get out of that, I thought, oh, why don't you lease something? Nope, you can't lease because you're driving too many miles. So yeah, it, absolutely. you've got to buy. Not worth it. Not and worth it. That's, the, that's what led me to thinking Heather wants something new here. So Yeah. I'm I'm all about that and I've got a couple of things but here's what Heather says she loves the Lexus and is the best car she has owned so far but it's mm-hmm. a little too slow so she's considering the 2016 IS350 F Sport which I will say right off the bat yes we love the F Sport we drove the 2015 yeah. F Sport the, but the brilliant 350 fun F Sport car. If yes. she wants to
1: upgrade to that car, I think she'd be very, very happy. I think the things that are toning down the IS250 for her and making it a little bit less than she'd like, I think, honestly, Heather, I think 90% of that it would be solved by just stepping into the IS350 F-Sport. I think that's a great choice. What I like about your request, though, is you acknowledge the fact that you kind of feel like a girl racer. You just like to drive fast, and you like to drive things hard, and so and you've never bought the same brand twice. Yeah. So you you yeah. wanted to make a real point of the fact that considering another Lexus for you is huge and speaks to how much you've enjoyed the brand, so I wanted to give you some non-Lexus options because uh, quite 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 frankly I could say to you yes is to the uh, up to, great date to the is three fifty F Sport call it a day done you'll be happy congratulations I could say that and wouldn't bat an eye but I want to give you other options as well.
0: She wants minimum maintenance costs, which is a big factor in the discussion here. True. Because, you know, I again I, I keep coming back to BMW. I want to say, go for a E90 series M3, just slightly used, get a really nice one for 45 grand. But if you're putting that kind of high miles, hard miles, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're gonna be paying for the maintenance. It'll do it. Don't get me wrong, the car will do it. It'll be happy just fine. Of course. But, yeah, but yeah, yeah. you've got to put the money into maintenance. And so that's why I keep coming back to the Japanese thought and mm-hmm. we, we had that um, that triumvirate, that trio of cars, the Cadillac, the Lexus yeah. and the yeah. new three series. And mm-hmm. the Cadillac was great. But again, based on what you do, Heather's a lawyer. She said, it can't be too crazy. She's okay. Sedan or coupe. So, you know, she's open to that. She's mm-hmm. also open to SUV, that kind of thing. But, for her, she sounds sporty and cool and fun. And so I, mm-hmm. even though the Cadillac's yeah. cool, I've got to say, a cute girl in a hot car does it even more for me. So I, yeah. I've got to say, eh, maybe not the Cadillac. That's why I keep coming back to this F-Sport, because it's, that's mm-hmm. the hotness right there. That is money. I like that car but you know a lot.
1: What? You know what? I'm going to step to the side for a second and say, Heather, what about the Cadillac ATS, though? And what about the ATS Coupe? it's a good looking car yeah
0: oh it is i was thinking about that good handling
1: excellent handling you know it's got a a good group of colors i i I look i'm a color on a car guy anyway but i love that car in red looks fantastic in red don't get it in the weird champagne metallic thing we had in our test car please don't do that (laughs) but but the ats coupe you know what you can get decent engines in it the handling is fantastic now look you're commuting in south florida i don't know the handling is going to matter much but that is a car with real presence and real style. It might not be your style, but it has both of those. It's worth looking at. And, you know, I had a couple other thoughts because she lists this is funny. Heather lists her dream garage in here. She says if money were no object, she'd have a Tesla Model S, a Maserati Gran Turismo, and a Lexus RCF. That's an interesting garage that is, in some ways, informative to some of the options here. Yeah, that is and, pretty cool. And, you know, uh, the th- the thing I will say about your Lexus experience, it's the same as many people's, and that is the minute they have a Lexus, which just runs and runs well, and then when they have to get service, the service is great and the people are nice, a lot of people are like, I'm only going to own a Lexus. You're not alone. That's very common. But I'd love to get you out of that into something else. Um, I don't, don't think can... I'm out there. All right. Uh... What about a 997 Porsche 911? Yeah, nine nine seven. You can get one for forty
0: five grand. It'll you be can higher get one mileage. easily for forty.
1: You can get no, no. like a base one, like a like a let's say an 07 or an 08 It's not a new car, but those cars can handle the mileage. It will be reliable. It will be expensive to maintain. I will acknowledge. Yeah, it's still it going to be, be money reliable for, for 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 forty five grand. So, I mean, here is the thing: if you if Heather, if you're wanting to go with a warranty, then obviously my recommendation is out. But I just wanted to think of something out of the box for you. And I do honestly think a 911, a 997, which is the generation prior to the current one, get yourself a base Carrera. That car will have plenty of power. I bet you, based on your driving uh, experience so far, it'll be the best car you've ever driven. I bet you it will be. And you know, a, a lawyer at a base nine eleven—that's kind of standard issue, isn't it? I mean, they drive three series, they drive <laughs> seriously. They drive three series, you drive Lexus, you drive nine 11s and you drive ran, uh, Range Rovers. Isn't that kind of the parking lot of? Upon your completion of, of your bar office?
0: exam and successfully passing seriously. it, you just get a Porsche. They just hand one to you as you leave the but building. I think they they punch I mean, your card, hand honestly, you your ticket, and hand you a Porsche. It's awesome.
1: I think it's worth driving. And I say that because the 911 is in a weird category, I feel like, in public perception. If you drive a Cayman or you drive a 918, you are a person with a ton of money showing off and you're a car person. If you drive a 911, you might be that. But you also just might be a person who went, oh, I like that car. So you know mm. people that a lot of people that ha, that make really good money in a nice business job that aren't really into cars drive 911s i don't feel like they turn people's heads as i can't believe you bought that like a lot of other cars could okay so i feel like the 911 doesn't get into and i'm a lawyer drives a 911 doesn't seem too crazy to me um i like that 997 i 997 like
0: that. i'm going to say you're going to have to work hard to fit that budget and a 997.2 car to avoid any IMS issues to you know get the upgrades that they did the improvements to that car because you're gonna sure. be putting miles on that thing. So I would not recommend the early 997.1 cars. We've got friends and we've heard some stories and again, we've addressed this before. Not that it happens, unlikely, but... Unlikely,
1: unlikely, uh, but it exists. But it you. exists, and
0: especially if you're doing the high mileage thing. On the other hand, mileage can be a very good thing for a car. It's generally the Porsches that aren't driven, that are garage queens and sit around. Those are the cars that have problems. True. You need to drive and your i to go ahead
1: and acknowledge I'm going to go ahead and acknowledge that the IMS issue typically was track related. Typically, yes, yes. You know, not always, and and it's not common anyway. Let's put that out there again. It's not a common reality. There is a fix for it. So even if you found a nine nine seven generation one. You know, nine seven point one, which would be the oh five oh six, maybe oh seven. I forget when the when the break seven, happens. There
0: was something um, in mid year in there, I think. But
1: uh, yeah, you get one of those. You could definitely get one of those for your budget. I think it's worth looking at. I know I'm not in the obvious choices here, but I feel like that's one. That and the ATS Coupe are my two that I say to Heather, go drive them.
0: Hmm, I like that. I'm I'm down with that. Of course, Porsche. Anything nine eleven, I like. Heather, I'm gonna Shocking. swerve. And throw something in there that might be, if the 911, you just say, nee, it's too flashy too just says something about you that you don't want it to say. Although I love the idea. And for you, you're not buying it because of the badge. You're buying it because of your driving and your habits and your you love cars. And so you're, mm-hmm. you're buying it because you would appreciate it, not because yeah. the reason most people would buy a Porsche. I get that. But I'm going to swerve and I'm going to go over to this Volvo S60 Polestar that's got a boatload of performance in a very unassuming package. All-wheel drive, lots Mm. of horsepower. The Polestar brand was recently acquired fully by Volvo, just like uh, AMG was back in the late 80s, early 90s. You've got quite a
1: left turn here.
0: It is. It's now the performance division of Volvo, and they sell it Mm -hmm. on the website here. So this limited edition Volvo S60 Polestar, the S60 starts at like 33 something, all wheel drive, gobs of power. I think this mm. could be something interesting that says something y- you wouldn't see yourself coming and going. And that's kind of True. what intrigued me about this car. It's good looking. It's It's got a lot of tuning done to it from the factory because of this Polestar performance.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. All wheel
0: drive, turboed. I think this could be a consideration. I. I'm trying to look around for a price here. I'd have hmm. to build one out.
1: I think it's above our budget. I think that's... I think oh, it is. It's closer to sixty.
0: It is close to
1: sixty. All right. Well, shoot. Um, back to Lexus. I liked your left turn, though. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do you feel about Lexus, Heather? So no, that's Lexus.
0: <laughs> no, I I just was trying to stretch a little bit, but you know you could go mm-hmm. a couple year old S sixty. You know the T fives are pretty quick, and every time we get in a Volvo, we go, hmm, this is interesting. How come we never really think about this car? It's very conservative and buttoned down in terms of the image that it projects, but that might be a good thing. The Cadillac is probably second. The Lexus is still flashy. I mean, the styling is definitely aggressive and and head-turning. Absolutely.
1: No, no question. I I, like
0: it. it. I'm kind of back to the Lexus. Heather, I'm sorry, that was 60 grand. That's a little bit of a surprise, but all right, maybe go a couple-year-old Something or other, uh, unless you want to spend sixty grand and you can, and then you'll—I mean—it'll be nearly as quick, and you'll scare Porsches, which could be interesting and cool. Funny, so, funny. All right, things to think about.
1: But I enjoyed the left turn. I enjoyed the left turn. <laughs> hopefully, something grand? in there. What the? So, something in there, Heather. Hopefully, has been helpful. We we we've kind of drifted off into the weeds. I feel like so. I'm going to wrench us back and say, <laughs> if you have not rated this podcast. <laughs> Go to iTunes, give it a a rating of stars, and also give it a comment. Both of those things do help us get into the top 10 of automotive podcasts. And that top 10 is littered with big names. So every time we're up there, that is quite a throwdown on our part. We're little, but we're growing. If you have people that you know that listen to automotive podcasts or podcasts of any kind, Please pass this on to them because we bet they'll enjoy it. And we want to hear from you. You have a car debate? Write us, Everyday Driver TV at Gmail. If you'd like your car on a fast blast, try that through Facebook. Yes, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere we are. Slash Everyday Driver.
0: Yeah, this is great. At least we're having fun. Hopefully, you are too. And uh, you know, I want to be uh, a little bit entertaining in there. But generally, the the idea is to help you listening, help you find cars that you're really gonna love and. That's the reason we started doing this, and you know, if you listen to the podcast from last week, that's the whole reason. That's the whole point because we're having fun, and people are loving. You're writing in and saying, "Hey, I got such and such car. It was right in line, and hopefully, it helps." So, when you do, when you end up purchasing something, and it whether or not it agreed with what we recommended or not, write us in because occasionally we will Absolutely. come back on the air and say you know, hey, here's what folks bought, and it, it's fun to share that mm-hmm. with listeners. And uh, if you're so inclined, we do have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash Everyday Driver, and that money, yep. that those donations just go straight back into shooting, because we've got a lot planned for the rest of the year, a lot of Fast Blast stuff Huge. already in the can, yeah, we've yeah, been yeah.
1: Shooting well, like and shooting like crazy. Some, and some big comparisons outside yeah, of the Fast Blast, some yeah. big comparison road trip craziness going on that we can't even fully share yet, but... <laughs> Wow. Okay. It's
0: it's coming. And uh, yeah, the whole point is to better help inform you and us and help you decide what's fun to drive because just like Heather here, I mean, she's spending a lot of time in your cars. I mean, we all are. And, you know, Mm -hmm. so really, what do you have that suits my high mileage lifestyle? What do you have on the showroom floor? That's what you're writing (laughs) in about, which I love. (laughs) All right. I'm done ranting. This is good.
1: (laughs) Thank you guys and girls for listening as always.